maxed out. The New York Mets have traded Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers. Can you believe it? They're replacing Jacob DeCron with Max Scherzer. Unbelievable. The Mets do get Luis Angel Acuna in the deal, a top prospect. Maybe he's on the Mets next year. We react to the Scherzer trade. Figgy will give his thoughts after you heard my yelling on the David Robertson trade. Will Justin Verlander be gone? We explain why we want him to stay. And what else do the Mets have up their sleeve, Figgy? You're looking at a team that's possibly playing inspired baseball. Players don't want to listen to it's a trade deadline and we're done. They have still things to play for. So it would be good to see if the team finds this a reason to band together and find a way to win some ball games. But we'll talk about Verlander's outings as a recent note. Talk about this ownership group and uh, the front office, their willingness to make moves that they feel will make this team better for the foreseeable future. One of the things that we'll also talk about is that there is a disconnect somewhere on this team and especially from front office to players on what the message is that should be said to the fans across this trade deadline and the upcoming months. Speaking of front office, we think Billy Upper should be fired. But one guy is in the front office who the Mets let go a long time ago, but he did serve the role as GM, is the Duke of Jim. It's Jim Duquette, MLB Network, MLB Network Radio, SMLI. You see Jim Duquette everywhere. He's going to join us to react to the moves Billy Epler made and the miscommunication going on from the front office to the players. We got a lot to do. It's a busy episode of Amazing But True from the New York Post, and it's coming up next. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Justin Verlander. Well, we don't know if this is his last start as a Met, but he has been fantastic over the last month or so. With Verlander up to 103 pitches, looks like his day is done. And the next 48 hours or so will tell whether Verlander has thrown his last pitch as a Met. And a foul tip held by Narvaez. Strike three, and the ball game is over. But the headline is Verlander with his status as a Met up in the air. He gets his 250th career victory on the final game before the trading deadline. I'm committed to trying to win a championship here, but if if the organization decides that that's not exactly the direction that they think is best fit to go for next year and go for it again, then, um, yeah, I would be more open to it. Welcome back to Amazing But True, New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard courtesy of SNY, Jake Brown, and Nelson Figueroa at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy NY, at Amazing But True, where you get all three on Twitter, and the New York Post Sports YouTube page, you watch us, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, comment below. What do you think of the trades the Mets made? That's what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about those with former Mets GM Jim Duquette. SMYU, CM, MLB Network, MLB Network Radio. He's all over the place. So Jim Duquette is going to join us in just a bit. Duke of Earl. Well, the Duke of the city right now is Justin Verlander because Max Scherzer is gone. And Justin Verlander picked up his 250th win on Sunday. The Mets took three out of four from the Nationals, and that isn't even close to the top storyline from the weekend, Figgy. As people listen to this on Monday, July 31st, the trade deadline's Tuesday, August 1st at 6 p.m. Who else could be on the go? Could Verlander be that guy? Lots of miscommunication between Epler and the players. Players are just confused of what direction this this team is heading. The fan base is confused. Well, one of those steps was trading Scherzer, and you know they did get a top prospect. And you, you know, the Robertson deal—I lost my mind. I'll get your feeling on it. 
because you weren't on there Friday. I screamed. I hated the timing. I did not love the return. Thought they could have got more MLB ready or closer to it player, double-A prospects like the Cubs got in two studs that they did. They got an 18- and 19-year-old, but they get an angel in the outfield or the real pronunciation, a Luis Angel Angel Acuna in the outfield. Obviously, Ronald Acuna's little brother having a good year in double-A. You know, has played infield, a little bit of outfield. A guy could be here next year. Scherzer, a win in the trade. Robertson, a loss. Now we see what else happens, Figgy. Is fam gone? It seems that's, uh, you know, almost 100% happening. Vogelback, do you cut him? Do you get anything for him? What else do they do? And obviously, Justin Verlander. Will he go to a Dodgers or Houston? Still a lot of question marks, but a lot has happened here since that rain delay on Thursday. Yeah, we'll start with the low-hanging fruit, right? So uh, Vogelback's days are numbered. We keep saying that. We've been saying that. I don't know. This would be the moment of truth, right? It's 1.5 million. If you sent 35 million over to Texas for to get rid of Max Scherzer and to get something back, right now 1.5 just to let the kids play and bring up whoever you have to to see what they're capable of doing so you know what you have going into next year like a Mauricio um seems inevitable so if they have to eat that 1.5 eat that 1.5 at this point I don't think anybody really would miss it you're looking at Verlander he's at his peak in a Mets uniform you're talking about his last nine starts. So we're not talking about small sample size of just three starts or whatever. This is his last nine starts. His last nine starts the man is four and two with a 1.95. And that's including a game that he gave up four or five runs. And this is right before the one bad start that he had since June. Uh, but you're looking at uh, a 190 batting average against all the numbers that he had in this Cy Young year. If you go his last seven starts, you're looking at a 1.49 ERA, which is about on par for what he did in the Cy Young year. So he's rounding into form nicely. He's everything that you wanted. I wouldn't get rid of him. You don't have the pitching to replace him. As we've learned throughout our Mets uh, recent fandom, aces aren't easy to come by. No matter how hard somebody throws, no matter how nasty their spin rate is, no matter what they've done the year before, aces do it every year. Justin Verlander has done it for the last 15 years. So you can't just go and get that in the open market. And the guy who's comfortable playing in New York, Right. We've seen this out of him. We've seen him get better. We've seen him be accountable. Even when we didn't like the answers, he's there in front of the media every start. Right. So I think you can't trade him unless you're getting someone's top pitching prospect to replace him. Remember, he got, he was being replaced by Hunter Brown for the Astros. And that was kind of one of the reasons why, you know, he decided to see what the open market was. And the open market was literally him saying, I'm a vet. And they didn't even get to finish saying available and the Mets signed him to a 40, you know, $3 million contract. So I think he said, has said all the right things. He said that he's signed here, not for one year, but for three. And he wants to see this thing through. And of course he has changed his tone a little bit, I think to help with leverage for maybe if there is an unbelievable trade that knocks your doors off, the Mets don't have the depth. They don't have the starting pitching. They don't have any of that past this season with just him, Quintana, and Senga being your three right now that are signed up. So you take him out of the equation, it's bleak. Very, very yeah, And he also has got that vesting option for 2025. So we're not just talking about Verlander being a one-more-year guy. He's part of a two-year thing. And, you know, when you hear the quotes of, you know, I got to talk to the guy, where is the communication here? And, like, I mean, there are probably no Billy Epler defenders out there, but, like, it's it's alarming and it's like it is a strange time and i was sitting there at the game sunday thinking one why am i here two i'm thinking like where what is the future i i, I was looking into the stadium and just kind of soaking it all in and i'm thinking what what is the direction of this franchise do they go all out this winter spend money and put together a championship contender next year it's hard to feel like that when when you're making these moves and the, you get the Scherzer move, you get Robertson, but like, you know, if you're to trade Verlander, you're saying the message, we're going to clean up and we're going to try this offseason for Otani, which probably isn't going to happen. And then we're going to patch together a rotation. You know, it's going to take maybe a guy like a Eduardo Rodriguez or a Julio Urias or, you know, Urias, uh, Urias uh, Sean Manaya. I mean, Alex Wood. We're not, uh, there's not many guys out there. I mean, Stroman's got a player option. I don't think he's coming back. Does, do you get Clayton Kershaw on a one year deal or does he go back to the Dodgers? 
it's not like you're, there's a lot of world beaters out there. So that's why I think it'd be smart to keep Verlander, send the message, hey, let's go after it. Let's get two starters and do that. And then when it comes to the bullpen, I, I don't think you should trade Brooks Raley. I mean, I know he's probably going to get a lot of interest. He's had a great year. But one, he's got a club option for six and a half million, which is not bad for the way he's pitched. He would easily get that in free agency, Figgy. He's got good off-speed stuff. For now, he's basically your closer. And, you know, he's not a far drop-off from David Robertson as a closer. So, again, do you want to punt away the next two months? It seems like they've done that. You still got to put somewhat of a competitive team out there because these new two-tone sunglasses that have removed the Max Scherzer label giveaways and the Edwin Diaz trumpet giveaway, the bobblehead, you know, you got to have a way for people to show up besides doing the Bartolo Colon five years after he actually retired retirement day in September, where they better be extra large and not large like this one for those giveaway shirts. So you can only make up so many promotional days to get people to show up. Stop. Don't give everyone away here for Scherzer. That's an easy one. That's a win. That's a win. That's a, that's a win because you didn't see him getting better. You saw him still not being able to find his slider and still using his slider. Uh, he had a, a much, uh, a better game when he went to more cutters, which was more effective than a slider, but it's, it's he's kind of hard-headed that way. We've talked about Scherzer before. He would rather give up a home run than walk a guy on the 3-2 count because he wants to challenge him. You know what I mean? He's still old school that way. So Scherzer, I, I didn't see him gaining ground. It was always one step forward, two steps back with him. And What's your feel on Robertson? What Because I haven't heard your reaction to the, to the timing of the deal, the rain delay, the 18- and 19-year-old not getting pitching. He was mad at the, the organization. You know, they come to the clubhouse after a nice 2-1 win, Matt. What is your full reaction to the Robertson deal? Yeah, the, the Robertson thing, there's so many layers to it, right? I'm going to try and keep it simple and quick. For me, the talent that you got back will only – we'll, we'll, won't know until we see what they become, what they're ranked – uh, you know, as far as the, the the Marlins organization, where they're at, you see the Marlins where they're at playing right now. They had a bunch of young talent that have come up and they, they're starting to play well together and all that. So you have two players that right now I, I, positions are so fluid. I, I don't think we should sit there and go, oh, you know, it's a shortstop where we have a shortstop for the next 10 years and a catcher that you probably you would hope to have for the next six at least. Um, and Alvarez. So if this kid becomes a solid backup catcher, so be it. He was kind of a throw in in the deal. You never know. He could use him to throw into another deal uh, for next year, whatever it may be. But now you, they they have the one player that they like a lot. Let's see what he turns into. Uh, you know, we, we I think we're just very jaded because all the prospects that we've ever heard of coming up through the minor league system, we've never seen. There haven't been many who have been drafted, signed, and brought up the farm system, come up and been an everyday major leaguer. You know, Brandon Nimmo, is pretty much the the, the last one that uh, Jeff McNeil has done well, but even McNeil was hit or miss uh, until they just said, "Hey, let's see what you can do in the big leagues," and it took off for him. Right, he took his game to the next level. So I think there there haven't been a lot of those hits. It's been more misses with the Mets in their farm system, and they're trying to replenish the farm system. So you got two players for a thirty eight year old uh, veteran reliever. Could they have waited a little longer and maybe gotten more? Sure. Could they have waited a little longer and, and people went out and got Jordan Hicks and gotten, you know, other uh, replacement type closers other than Robertson? Sure. Could Robertson have gone back to Philadelphia and you could have gotten some from Philadelphia? Would you rather go to Philadelphia or you'd rather go to the Marlins? I don't know. I just think they felt and Epler felt more so than anything. He got the most bang for his buck. Time will tell. Remember his job. He may never see these kids in the big leagues. Uh, it's almost a certainty, but there will be a new uh, president of baseball operations next year who has to take all these pieces and make something out of it. So it's his job to put that person in a better position than it, it was when he left. So for Robertson, I get it. We loved him. We got to talk with him. You know, he, he's a he's a, a a good dude all the way around, works hard, enjoys the game of baseball. He's, you know, still a little throwback to that old school baseball feel of not analytics, but actually a feel for pitching and a feel for doing the right thing and being a stand-up guy. If you're moving on from that, and that's what triggered Scherzer to say the things that he said, and then it kind of led to that. But for the one thing that I'll say is that the Mets are different than the Yankees in the aspect of the media and what the message is that you're trying to send out. If you did this interview with the Yankees, say if they traded their closer and they came in, there would be a 
themed message across the board. If it's something as simple as, I don't know, I just, I'm just a player. That's a question for ownership. That's a question for management. That's it. You would hear that cliche nonstop. Instead, when the Met players are left to their own accord and their own feelings and their own opinions, it became an absolute circus of let's try and get the best quote because these guys don't obviously know what's going on. And so we're going to interview as many people as we can because everybody looks confused and nobody knows the direction of this team. And no, and then you go to Lindor and Lindor's like, I still love this team. I'm happy to be here and represent this team and represent New York. It's a very trying time during the trade deadline because everybody's on pins and needles as it is. And even Pete Alonso said, I don't know what could happen because it's out of his hands. But there was no set message ahead of time to all these guys about here's how we're going to handle the trade deadline. As a player, you say you don't have enough information. You say that this is the, you know, the company motto, whatever it is, and they'll stop asking you questions. But the more and more that it is the realness of what happens in a Met clubhouse and you get the answers and guys' opinions and it makes for better TV, it makes for better quotes, it makes for better you know publicity when there isn't a uniform message. And that's something that I wouldn't think Buck Showalter let happen. He knows the New York media better than anybody. Billy Epler, those guys just have to be smarter, like set the tone with it. You do the interviews beforehand and maybe the players can watch you doing the interview while they're eating. In the back, instead of the reporters going right on to the attack and getting every single player's opinion, maybe you do a, a press conference style about what happened and what's transpiring so that they have, well, I just watched the interview just like you did. So these are the answers I'm going with. So it's a it's it's very difficult time. And I just think it was mishandled all the way around. They've got to be better with that. And Billy Epler's days, like we said, are numbered. I mean, they got to be. I mean, that's the funny thing about him getting an 18 and 19. Or like you said, he won't be anywhere near this organization then. I just don't think he should be anywhere near this organization come Christmas. I mean, I think when the season ends, I think you got to can him. This Scherzer trade is solid, but his overall track record has been pretty piss poor. And I think more so it's coming out by the players of how it's there's been miscommunication. You can tell these players do not like Billy Epler. One of them who likes him is Francisco Lindor because he got 10 years and $340 million. He's in a much different situation than even a Pete Alonso, who is not sure of his future because he's still, you know, arbitration the next few years. Like, he doesn't have a deal. McNeil's not going to say much because he got a deal. So this is why I, Epler, it's going to be tough here moving forward with him. Um, we'll see on the next episode what they end up getting for a fam. For like we said, a Vogel back, and let's just hope Ronnie Mauricio's here, man. If not in Kansas City Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, he better be here over the weekend in Baltimore against a good Orioles team. And you know, you know they're gonna tease us here. You know, they beat the Nationals and they'll probably beat the Royals. So I'm not gonna like think they're back in a playoff race here. But you know, if they go out and then beat Baltimore, and by next week when we're talking, they're four out. You're gonna think, oh my goodness, like they just traded everyone and they're still in the race here, Figgy, and that would just be the absolute worst feeling. But again, like I said, I still want them to keep Verlander and be competitive because this is going to be Tyler McGill is a 10 ERA in the minor league. You're going to just call him up now and reward him just because you have no, no one else. Like it could get really ugly, at least on the pitching side, you know, after Kodai Sanga and maybe Jose Quintana, this rotation, watching them the rest of this year. Going into next year with all the things that we know about Billy Epler, I'm not so confident about what could happen because there's a disconnect with this team. There has been since day one. This team has not felt like the same team. And what we worried about in the beginning was were Scherzer and Verlander not going, we're going to be like oil and water, right? At this point in their careers, yes, they're both Hall of Famers, but you know, each one trying to do things on their own, uh, on, on their own accord or their own level. Like this team doesn't seem like the type of team that goes out together, hangs out together. We had Lindor not buying the car for McNeil after he said he would, and he wins a batting title. You know, you have Pete Alonso who gets hurt, comes back early. He's a gamer, but then he's going to the freaking home run derby and taking a thousand swings as fast as he can off a BB pitcher who can't even reach the plate. And that guy gets paid to do it every single day with the Mets. So there's so many layers of things that we've seen and you just never felt like this team gelled together. And that's a and Steve very- Gelb said that too. Gelbs was mentioning how like the, it just didn't seem like the same unit. I've said that every week where there's something going on behind the scenes. These guys 
don't like each other and everyone wanted to say this is the same team. Well, it's not. It's different rotation. There's some different pieces in the mix there. It's not the same team. I don't think they hang out. Like, I don't think you got Verlander going out with a Lindor on a Friday night and stuff like that. There's different kind of niches and little corners and guys that don't really care about playing for each other. So maybe, you know, and you got to factor in too. Verlander didn't start the year with the team. He's on the IL. So like, for a month, he wasn't even there, so that piece was gone. Scherzer isn't always the friendliest with everyone around. Like, he's kind of a maniac. So, guys making $40 million, then you got the guys making a couple million and just different crews and corners. And that, you know, you played for a lot of different teams, Figgy. Chemistry is something you cannot overlook in a championship team. The good ones will have... We joke about the rally dildos, but they'll have, you know, like the cool hats when they hit a home run in the dugout. They they get along. They they cohes they're cohesive. This team just has not been cohesive, and it's you know a big part of the reason why everyone's like shut up about the wild card race. They're finished. My thought is you never know in baseball. That's baseball, but that's why people are like, yeah, this team just doesn't have it. All those things that you said, you know, the the celebration things. Um, that that's that's another thing. But it was it was because this team was underachieving at every facet. Every guy looked around there, and there was really nobody that you were like man, at least he's doing really well. That guy's carrying the load because nobody was, nobody was for, and, and it's not about the the payroll. I'm going to tell you right now in that clubhouse, nobody's sitting there going, well, that guy makes $43 million. He has to do better. Nobody's saying that they realize that he's not doing, he's not performing at the level that he is. And it's frustrating for him. So that tension is there. So if that guy's a hall of famer and he's not able to, to raise his level. Who the hell am I as a second year player? And every time I go out there, I'm expected to carry the load. And then the, we got a Japanese pitcher that we can't have throw on a regular day's rest. But every time he gets his extra rest, he does outstanding. He's got his own program. He's got his own trainers. He's got his own thing. Everybody's got their own thing, man. And that makes it really difficult because all it takes is one. I, I never thought baseball was like this. And it's more and more like this, especially in New York. Aaron Judge went down. The Yankees still had a veteran team and had star players. And it was as if they had never played baseball before. Edwin Diaz went down. And you're thinking, ah, it's a closer. How many times do you get to the closer? You got to be winning anyway. And Edwin Diaz went down and it was a disaster for the rest of that bullpen immediately. I have a Bucks quote about that. You heard Bucks mention the other day about, you know, we got a fun WBC out of it. Did you, do you see that quote? I'm so, I'm so sick. I'm so sick of him complaining about the WBC. Like that's what did it. You know what did it? His brother jumped on his back. That's what did it. We've seen it on the video. So for me, you're watching, you're, you're watching a team or teams in a team sport element where, you always talk about 25, 26 guys pulling on the same end of the rope, right? But I've never seen baseball be like this, and especially in New York with this huge market where one guy goes down and the team goes to shambles. They can't get over it. And, and every day it's, oh, do you think if you had Diaz? Do you think if you had Judge? Do you think you... There's other players, man. There's other... What does Judge have to do with the rest of the starters, for the Yankees, like, why is Severino so terrible uh, for the Mets side of things? What does Diaz have to do with Ver, uh, Scherzer and Verlander in the beginning of the year? What does Diaz have to do with, you know, Quintana getting a, a rib injury? I get that. But you've got to find a way to persevere, you, uh, overcome these things. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, the way that they were hitting, their approach, even changing the coaching staff around a little bit changes the message. Right. The messenger who is now, you know, a guy uh, being a maybe a first year hitting coach instead of just the assistant. He's now put in a position of this is these are your hitters. Whatever happens is, is on you. I'm not involved anymore. So even for the coaching staff, even for the manager, like they won 101 games. Billy Epler was giving a, a, a gold stamp of approval when he went in for his year end review and sat with uh, Steve Cohen. You did a fantastic job. We won 101 games. The minor league system didn't get any better the minor league system didn't get replenished during that 101 actually he tore down the minor league system he went in there and took all the guys who had played major league baseball in a met uniform before and said thank you for your service we no longer need you he went out and got analytical guys or brought guys over from anaheim the whole uh staffs of their analytical department from anaheim because now he had the backing of ownership that 101 wins means that you did a great job at the big league level the players balled out man 
the players had close to career years across the board, higher than normal expectations. Canna, Marte, Nimmo uh, turning his game up, McNeil, uh, McNeil winning a batting title. Uh, and in Pete, the middle of that, he half-assed the trade deadline, by the way. By oh, my God, no. no let's let's not even let's not half-ass the trade deadline. Bumps. You were in first place. Handily, you were in first place. And you had an opportunity to add on to that. And what did you add by subtracting? Tyler Naquin! Tyler Naquin. I mean, th- those are the things that you will know. So you get to this trade deadline, and now he's acquiring pieces, right? They're, they're trying to bring things in to make it a little bit better. You had the lead, man. You had a chance to go sweep the leg, finish him. But what'd you do? You went out and got three fringe acquisitions. Michael Givens, you oh, thought God. that reclamation project was going to help you get to the promised land? Well, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline here. Let's wrap it up. I'll wrap it up on this before we throw to Jim Duquette. You know, the Mets take three out of four over the weekend. Good stuff from Alonzo, a couple homers. Good stuff from Verlander getting the win. Carrasco was terrible, and there's going to be a point the Mets might have to just DFA him now. I mean, at this point, if you're going to go young and see what you have, it might be time to say goodbye to Cookie. I don't think he'll be part of the team next year. So coming up, Royals, second worst team in baseball. You got. I think you should try hopefully sweep your Quintana Sanga. And then Scherzer's spot will be Thursday, so we'll see who they put in there. And then uh, the Orioles, and then followed by 11-game homestand. And it's going to be a much different-looking homestand. It's going to be a much look different-looking team. We'll see if Ronnie Mauricio gets the call-up. Uh, we'll be back after the deadline. If they make another move or two, there'll be a show. And then if not, after the Royals series. But, you know, I'll close with this before we go to Jim Duquette. And I'll put on my shout-out to Danny from Delta for – Getting me the shades that they gave out, the Pete Alonzo. I'll give the State of the Union in the uh, – actually, very cool. I actually would wear these to the beach. I'll say this. Don't suck next year. Don't tell me you're going to put together a competitive team. Put together a championship team. You don't have the roster to say, oh, you know, we'll be good in a couple of years. Go win now. Keep Verlander. And it'll be a hell of a ride, a hell of a story if Justin Verlander is atop that 2024 Mets rotation with new pieces, a new team president, hopefully a new GM. Because the next two months are going to hear a lot of fire Billy, fire Epler, bye-bye Billy. The karaoke song won't be bye-bye-bye. It'll be bye-bye Billy. And the Mets organization is at a crossroads right now. But this team should still win next year. I don't want to rebuild. You have all the money in the world. There's absolutely no excuse to not go out and win a championship next year. And there is no excuse to put out somewhat of a competitive product these next two months instead of laying flat and being the losers that you look like. I hope these prospects pan out. I like the Scherzer trade. But now go show me that you have some guts, that you have some cojones, and that you're going to go after something special next year. Because Mets fans have waited long enough We are approaching almost 40 years without a championship. And that is far too long for a team that now is a new owner and all the money in the world to get one. So Jim Duquette, former Mets GM, will talk about the trade deadline with us next on Amazing But True. I'm excited about the player coming back. I'm excited for Max. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Amazing But True. Jake Brown, Nelson Figaro with our special guest, the Duke of Earl, Duke Blue Devils, the, the Duke of England. Any other Duke? That's all you got. <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of Dukes, but uh, we have Jim Duquette, former Mets GM, 0304, also in the Orioles front office. Now you catch him 
all over the baseball media map, whether that's SNY, uh, the Nationals channel, Masson, whether it's MLB Network, MLB Network Radio. He's everywhere, and he's also on Twitter at Jim, Jim Duquette GM. Jim Duquette, Jim, good morning. Thanks for coming on the show. What's going on, gentlemen? How are you doing? The uh, I think that's all the Dukes that I know, too, so I think you got those covered. Yeah, you're our favorite Duke, so that's all that matters. Well, that's all that matters, right? right. As a Maryland fan, I hated Duke, but I'll, I'll like you, Duke. Yeah. Uh, that's fine with me. So that is true. We appreciate you coming on, and obviously we we have you on during a time that uh, you know, a time that is a stressful time in Mets land, a time where you know we have producer Andrew Hartz and intern Nick Guzman a refreshing tweet deck to make sure John Heyman or, or another reporter is not tweeting out that the Mets have traded Justin Verlander or something else. Let's start. Just let's get your reaction. You know, I kind of lost my mind, was a little mad about the David Robertson deal, a little more fine with uh, the Scherzer deal, but would love to hear your thoughts on both trades. I don't mind this, Pat, because I don't really feel like this team is very good, right? We've seen this team for over 100 games, and and it really, unfortunately, stunk it up, you know? And it's hard to say, well, I'm going to punt and, 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 you know, the last two months of the season, add some other pieces and, you know, kind of retool it or whatever the word rejuvenate. We'll come up with every, our own reword that we that comes out this time of the year. So I was, you know, I just start with there. So, so once you've kind of come to the idea or the conclusion that you're going to move somebody, Robertson, for me, I would have waited a little bit longer. I think he could have gotten a little more. That's my only kind of criticism on that. And those two players, one thing from a GM perspective, when you make these trades, you sit there in the chair, you haven't seen any of these players. Like you, you, you might have some video, you might have some, some tech, uh, but you haven't seen them with your own eyes. You like, so you're relying on all these other people. Right. And if it's your scout or two scouts that have seen, you're like, man, that, that's not, a, that's not an awful good look to move them. And the one advantage they had with trading with the Marlins was and Figgy, you remember this in the minor leagues, we played, all those teams on the east coast of Florida, including the Marlins, we had the Dodgers over there. We had, you know, at the time was the Expos and the Nationals that are there now. The, and you see those minor league players that are playing in the complex way more often. You got eight, nine, ten, a dozen different looks. So the only silver lining I'll add to those players that they got was they got multiple looks from multiple employees, player development. Uh, you know, guys in the office and their pro scouts. So, so, you know, when you're dealing with making trades, you're dealing with like, you want to, you know, there's no certainties there. You're hoping the likelihoods that you're, you know, these guys are going to get to the big leagues, but they got multiple looks. So if they're wrong, all of those guys are wrong, you know? And so, you know, I think that's where you maybe I'm trying to make you feel better about the Robertson trade, Jake. And so did I convince you? Well, see, here's what I agree with you. The timing. I felt it was waving the white flag a little too early. Like, why Thursday in the middle of a rain delay? The guys get to the locker room after a win. It's like, oh, you're gone, David Robertson. It's like, I always argue, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. There's 21 other hours of the day. The Mets have made two trades this year during a game and two clubhouse favorites. Veterans, guys, everyone loved during a game. The morale, the message that sends to the fan base, that sends to the rest of the clubhouse to me, it just seems like poor business, poor a poor job by the GM. Did you do that often? Do you does that happen a lot? It just feels like it's happened a little bit more often, and with two guys that were popular amongst the rest of the players. You know, the timing of it is is a good point. Like you know, it's hard to time these take days many times to come together. Like the Scherzer trade took multiple uh, multiple days, and that one was really complicated. Because you had, a, you know, no trade clause. You had how much money was going to be exchanged. Trying to figure out the player, you got to go to him eventually and ask him if he wants to opt out. Those are unusual things, and so the timing of those, you know, it just they, it, it's organic. It comes up whenever it comes up, and you, you don't want it to happen during the game. You don't want it to happen, but but you know, it's like nothing you can really do about it. You know, I think the same thing kind of goes with Robertson. I think you know the Robertson thing was interesting. I was told that. You know, it leaked out from the Miami side, which happens, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're still having to go through physicals and you're not sure on the physical side if the guy's going to pass the physical and like all these things that come up with this. And so I think the timing of it, you're right. I think there was out of, you know, a lot of times that part of it is out of everyone's control because somebody did something here, somebody said something to a reporter and all of a sudden you're rushing to tell a guy 
when you didn't think it was going to break at that point, you really thought it was going to happen the next morning. So from a GM, listen, I'm more forgiving to GMs because because I was in the role and I know I know how difficult it can be and with all the pressure and attention that comes with it. So I think in both of those senses, it's not ideal, obviously, where you don't want, you know, you don't want then, you know, when Scherzer, you know, got traded, then they, you know, laid an egg that game. I mean, they were sleepwalking in the first inning or two, right? So, you know, from a fan, you're going, what the heck? Like, couldn't you just wait? But I think it, it's really difficult to time it. Um, they they happen when they happen. To me, I think more so when you get to the trade deadline and all these pieces are moving and your team is sitting there wondering what direction we're going in. When Max said, I need to have a talk with ownership. And there are a lot of people in this room that want to have a talk with ownership. That to me was a very telling sign that things were not good. No, I agree with you. And I think, I feel that there has been a disconnect with the communication coming from the front office to the players. Usually the manager is that guy, but they're the trade deadline. It's general manager, right? And it's the owner. And Steve Cohen has created an environment, a culture where the players feel comfortable, not necessarily leaping over Billy Epler, but going directly to the owner. And they have that, you know, that relationship, whether it's going to dinner or just, you know, talking about baseball or any of those things. It's a little bit unusual. If you go around the game, not every player has access to the owner, you know, and sometimes it's one or two. And it's, it seems like there's certainly more because he's around more. Um, he's trying to create a family atmosphere. Like there's all these things positive, mostly, I think they're almost all positive, right? When it, but it comes, when it comes to the deadline, you're looking for answers. And usually the general manager is the one who's down there having those conversations with the players. Hey, listen, we're going to make this move just to give you a heads up. And I, I thought they missed an opportunity, um, per, you know, really, um, honestly, when what ends up happening, as you guys saw, right? And we've seen this before, the players after the game, the, the media is going right to them. They're going to ask them their, their thoughts on it. And you have a chance, whether it's during the rain delay or immediately after the game, to go to a couple of the players or in, in its entirety and just say, listen, hey, here's, here's what we're doing. We're not we're not a rebuild. You know, we're in a situation where we like this deal. Uh, we're we're, we're going to you know, be selective. And, you know, you can get your message out to the players so that. In essence, there's not confusion from their side of things. They're not going, well, I need to talk to them or I don't know what's going on. Like, so I, those, there's some things that I feel like there've been a couple of maybe missteps here along the way, but in terms of the, you know, the Robertson thing, you know, the last thing on that is we're going to find out like Vargas is the guy they really, really like. Obviously the catcher and Anna's too, but the proof is like, I don't have, I don't have an issue. Some people did about, well, you got to get an upper level guy closer to the big things. They can buy that guy. And that's what they're going to do. Like, like they're buying guys at the upper levels. They're buying a, 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 you know, a relief pitcher or a young starter. If they need to, they can go out and, and make a deal for me. If I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the highest value guy, some guy that has projectability, that's an everyday or better type of player. So that's your chance as a GM to try to hit a home run. Now, by the way, he, if you pick a guy that's three years away, you may not be around to see him, but I think you're doing the right thing for the organization, plant, trying to find the best available talent, even if you have to go down to the lower minors. All right, a lot to react to there. One, I just think Billy Upler's done a horrible job, and, he, and you saw after the game, Brandon Nimmo even was questioning him, and Brandon Nimmo, Mr. Mr. Happy all the time, and I mean, Brandon Nimmo with a frown is not a, is not a good-looking man. Like, he is a scary man when he's frowning because it's so rare. And even he was like, yeah, I, I'll have to talk to them. I mean, where is the communication? Do they not have each other's number? Like, do they not text? Do they not like send a message say, hey, we're going to try to win next year? That's why I think Mets fans, too, are concerned. It's like, what is the message you're sending the fan base? What is the message you're sending the players? Because this window was supposed to be short and you were supposed to either win this year or next year. And now who knows about next year? The prospects of the low level guys, yeah, I might have a family and four children by the time they're here. They'll be in Queens and maybe when NYCFC's here. And I'm wearing this soccer jersey to a game in 2027, which is why I was mad because last year the Cubs were able to get two pitching prospects who are absolutely dominating in the minors right now. The Cubs guy has like a 0.7 ERA. So that's the other thing of this, Jim. Both these trades, and this is people were tweeting me and yelling at me saying, you, you build, you get whatever the best players possible. It doesn't matter that they're catcher, shortstop, infielder. 
you have those guys, you get the best player possible. But at some point, Jim, you got to retool the pitching that you traded away, the pitching you traded away in the, for the rentals last year and Naquin, you know, giving away um, the Holderman away, giving away prospects for the Darren Ruff trade that, you know, may still, we're still losing sleep over. At some point, Jim, you got to stop saying we need the best players and got to say we need pitchers. Well, and, and that I think is the other kind of quandary that they're in, right? So you're you're absolutely right. They they have nothing at the upper minors when it comes to pitching, right? Very, very little as we've seen. And they've, you know, they they had this, you know, philosophy of having optionable pitchers to go to the minor leagues that, you know, in the bullpen and try to give them some flexibility. The problem is you didn't have enough of those. You didn't have enough quality. You didn't have enough, enough high-end velocity stuff, which every bullpen has and the Mets don't have enough of. Like, so, so there's a lot of, so a lot of these things are intertwined to what you're talking about. And, you know, I think that um, the, the, the aspect of them getting uh, better um, with their pitching, they have shown to this point a reluctance to give starting pitchers, good starting pitchers, long-term contracts, like more than three or four years, something's going to have to give here, right? So, so if you're not going to trade for pitching, which, hey, we're okay if we don't want to do that, Oh, but you're going to have to get it from somewhere, right? So, it, but you're going to restrict, like the, there's not enough good pitching out there. So you can't keep restricting the pool of, of talented players out there and expect that you're going to have good pitchers. So they're going to have to be more flexible in these other areas if they're going to go down this road of trading for uh, the prospects, the position player prospects that, that, that they've done. So for me, it's like, okay, I'll give you a pass, but you better, you better, make some adjustments this winter because you're short on the pitching staff. They're hugely short on the pitching side, right? Because now who they have locked up for next year and beyond, you have Quintana, you, you have Senga and pray for rain. I mean, you're looking Verlander for now, but I, I, my, my whole mindset is already like uh, they're going to trade. Please and, and please they don't keep him. I want Verlander. Yeah, well, here you know what it is. Page. So they've said that you've heard this how many times already the money is spent. It was budgeted for, right? So the money is spent with all these players for all these trades. You also have with Verlander. He even said, I signed here for three years. I didn't sign here for one year. This isn't what I want to do. And now because he's seeing, you know, Max get traded away and he sees Robertson get traded away, he's changing his tone a little bit because he understands the reality of it. He doesn't want to keyhole these guys into having to keep him if they can get something of value. But if it's not like top two pitching prospects for a Verlander to hopefully win a World Series with somebody else, then the trade shouldn't be made. I don't want to hear about, you know, this is a a 17-year-old kid who is at the complex who throws a nasty slider. So I think when you're looking at these these trades and where you're at with your pitching, McGill regressed immensely this year. He has regressed and been a disaster down in the minor leagues. Peterson has been better because he's kind of swallowed his ego – now he's come out of the bullpen. His stuff is playing up a little bit more. He's executing a little bit better. So Peterson is a guy you're slotting into that rotation as well. So you now have those three. But if you don't have a bona fide one, then why would you even think about entertaining a trade where it's a guy that you got and to replace Jacob deGrom and you go and say, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and get some 17, 18-year-olds down in the minor leagues. Now you got to figure out who you're going to replace them with. And the replacement cost is going to be expensive. Like it's it's five or six years. Don't tell me that you you, you really like this Japanese pitcher. Two, you want two Japanese pitchers in your rotation. They got to go every sixth day. Like, unless you're talking Japanese pitcher as in Shohei Otani. Unless it's Otani. Now, and if it's Otani, then you've got your fix. But, but outside of Otani, if you're going over to the Japanese league to get a, a pitcher, um, because he's going to have more short term, like you're going to have a, 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 you know, and Seng has been fantastic, but you're going to have two guys like that. I, that that's that, uh, we've never seen it. I think there's a reason for that. So, you know, wh- I'm very curious how they're going to replace Max this winter. It's going to have to be somebody like Shohei or, you know, any of these other, you know, Arias or wh- whoever. You got a, hopefully a can't miss type prospect and a kid who's going to be again in a Met uniform for six years. Um, so that one, I think you're more okay with, I think more so is whatever the next domino is tells you which way they're going. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of starting pitchers. The, the Urias, there's, there's number threes, there's numbers four, but there's not many like aces and not Verlander like aces. So that's why you get rid of Verlander at Senga Quintana. And you not only need three starters, you need depth pieces as well. We saw the Mets go eight to their eighth and ninth starters. You need like six starters in free agency and trade, and maybe that takes taking 
prospects. So I, I just think it's sending the, the wrong message, Jim, to uh, ship uh, JV away. You know, and, and to really what we've been talking about too, Jake, like if you're going to take Verlander, all right, well, this might be your one opportunity to go get pitching. Uh, the, the Orioles don't have a lot of pitching prospects. <laughs> they're, they're a team that is heavy in position player prospects. They are close to the big leagues. And, and you know, you can do a, okay, get one of those guys and flip them to somebody else for a, for a pitcher. Um, you know, the Mariners have some really good starting pitchers. I think they would make a, you know, one of their starters, like a Logan Gilbert available if you gave them a you know top end position player. So there might be three-way uh, deals, but those are, those are harder, exponentially harder to do. Well, let's see what happens with Verlander. Let's see what else happens. It seems like Tommy Pham hasn't didn't even make the trip to Kansas City, so it looks like he's he's pretty much uh, gone. Does Vogelback get you a six pack of beer? Does he get you a bodega donut? Like, wh- what do you do? You cut him because the question we ask every week is why is Ronnie Mauricio not here? I would expect Ronnie Mauricio is on the team in either Kansas City this week or in Baltimore, and if he's not. I mean, the fan base is going to be pissed off because if you're trading guys away, we want to see the youth and we don't want to see Vogelback slot in the DH hitting fifth for no reason these last two months. No, no. And you want to see Vientos playing every day, stick him out in the outfield if need be. Like, like you got to get these guys playing time. So I, I think that that's, that to me will be the pathway. I think we'll see over the next couple of days once the trade deadline is is over. I would have expect Mauricio to come up as well. Um, and, you know, and that's what you got to do. That That's, you know, the... The path for the Mets for the, the remaining two months is get those position players up here to take a look at them. You know, get David Peterson in the rotation and get him uh, get see what he looks like. See if you can figure out what relievers are going to be here for next year. Like you start looking at those type of of answers and they're a little different. You still want to win as many games as you can, but you want to get some answers for next year. So I think that's what you'll, you'll see out of them. I would be shocked. And by the way, if the beer's cold, I would trade Vogelback. If it's if it's on the side of the road, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it's it. It's got to be like a a, a Modelo or like you know, yeah, like a little <laughs> or something. Don't don't give me like a basic like piss beer. It's got to be a good beer. Uh, not that those are like elite beers, but uh, I'm not an IPA guy, Jim, or a Heineken or a dark. You don't beer. strike me as any IPA guy, Jake. You don't. <laughs> I'm a you white don't. claw high noon guy. Um, my basic white girl, my white girl drink, vodka soda, splash of crayon is my Delta Club go to with Danny, and they were I've been drinking heavily to avoid watching this team during games. So they're winning. What are you talking about, Jake? Well, that's the thing. It's like, they're going to tease us here. And this week they're going to sweep the Royals and get within four and a half. And they're going to have Nelson Figueroa starting on Saturday. That's what it's going to get. Nothing will piss us all off more than they finish like two or three games out. You're going to want to go nuts. You You know, that's going to happen. And Nelly has at least one good game left in his arm. That's all I need. The last time we saw him on the big stage, it was tremendous, right? In the WBC. I think that was one of the last times I saw you pitch. So you got one more of those in you. I thought you meant the Ferry Hawks last year. I was like, he gave up 10 runs last year. What do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy with the giving up the 10 runs, pal. (laughs) You have no idea what I had to do just to give up those 10 runs. That was a 117 pitch complete game effort. Yeah, you just took an ice bath before the show to uh, recover from that one still. So we'll see what the Mets end up doing. And Jim Duquette will be all over it. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jim Duquette GM and see him on SMY MLB Network and hear him on MLB Network Radio as well. Jim, uh, good luck this deadline. I'm sure it's a lot less stressful talking about it on networks than, uh, you know, dealing prospects and dealing guys. And it's it's a much less stressful time for you. Sleeping a lot better. Jake, I, I, there's no, there's no question about that. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. It's good to catch up with you guys again. Get me out of here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty. Great stuff there from Jim Duquette. And, you know, Jim kept it real. Billy Epler, some some questionable moves, some questionable communication across the board when it comes to letting these guys know who is this team, where is the direction of this franchise. So good stuff there from Jim. We'll have the answers as the deadline 
is six o'clock and the deadline for this show has come to an end as that says goodnight to episode 166 of amazing but true our new york Mets podcast on the new york post thanks to andrew hartz and the intern why you gotta call him the intern can't you just call him nick guzman we get paid now i could call him them that that now because they get paid you know we didn't get paid back in our day you know no 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 you also got hazed we haven't been able to do that so we got to bring him into the office but thanks to nick as well as jake for producing the show subscribe to amazing but true on apple podcast spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcast subscribe to the new york post sports youtube page and watch all the episodes find that amazing but true playlist gives us a thumbs up below on youtube and comment below who should the mets keep and who should they sell follow us on twitter at amazing but true at figgy ny and at jake brown radio our form of hazing is watching nick eat a salad in front of us it's like here you he go salads? A salad he probably does because he's slim and he's he's taller than me so that's our hazing is eat this healthy food see what happens the opposite of me which you're better off at by the way, I ran some numbers, uh, and so the um, chicken... on my calorie intake. No, no. So the shares are money. We always talk about member to have a chicken McNugget throw it out the window kind of money. Thirty-five million dollars is one hundred and forty million nuggets. I probably have that many in my lifetime. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it might be close to that number. Uh, yeah, and listen, it took the Mets to get that deal done. It took a team that didn't care about eating that much money because. I don't know if there's a single other team in Major League Baseball who would have ate that money. It's not like he was just god-awful. He was bad, but it wasn't like he was, like, a not a, not a major leaguer. That's Right, but you know you know what you know what he was in his two years with the Mets? He had a 3.02 ERA, and we're talking about him like he was a mop-up guy. He struggled. He struggled mightily, and it wasn't it wasn't the same uh, dominant Scherzer that you were expecting. This but up year. until mid-September, he was must-see TV last year. It was the end that he choked, obviously, and then this year with the injury, and, and bad pitching but for you know we got a good six months of vintage Sherland. yeah the Scherzer Sherlander uh, sure, sure. <laughs> did I say Sherlander he said Sherlander <laughs> I think it's hit that point of the show folks I'm going to have to wrap up Sherlander and hopefully Verlander we will be talking about soon I was actually in the suite next to his family on Sunday but I, it was not Kate remember the beginning of the year I said my goal is to take a tequila shot with Kate Upton I, th- I think it was like either Kate's sister or one of the family members or one of the Verlanders. They had a kid that came into my suite, came under the pole, and they came to save him. Like, that's not Kate. Who are you? I didn't want to say, are you a member of the family? It could be awkward, but we came this close to drinking with Kate Upton. We were so close. Like the bad season. Oh, well, two months. Ooh, good luck, City Field. L- luckily, Otani's coming to City Field. The Mets do play the Angels in August, so those are some games. You get the Diaz bobblehead. You get the two-tone sunglasses, which I don't know who it's representing now that they took Scherzer off the branding. A couple of decent promotions. Another, you'll get the jersey, the hockey jersey down the road here. This is the soccer one. So this is a large. If you want to feel like, oh, I was saying it's tight. It's very slimming. Enjoy Bartolo Colon giveaway t-shirt day. It'll probably be large. Undersized. And uh, also catch us Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. on the Bleacher Report app. That's right. Amazing but true. Me and Figgy will be on the app. So... Download that Bleach Report app, watch us live 7.30. You have to be there right at 7.30, and we will react to what else the Mets end up doing. And, of course, we'll react here on Amazing But True. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, they're six and a half out. They gained some ground. They go to Kansas City. Maybe this is the rallying cry, Figgy. You trade Jersey, you trade Robertson, and you're going to the playoffs. Three, two. <laughs> Let's go, Mets. This team is toast.